You're listening to the Burst Ball Podcast. Burst Ball, talking up the Scottish game. Hello, you are listening to the Bus Boss Scottish Football Podcast with me, Hamish Carton. It was a terrific weekend of action in Scottish football. There's loads for us to discuss. You can always tell that with the amount of panel members that we've got on and these are all jumping to get on the, the show today. We've all got opinions. We do have Connor Park, Callum Fisher. It's going to become quite heated between them later on. I sense Ross Clark and Lewis Kemp are also joining me. How are we doing, guys? He's ready to talk up the Scottish game? Of course. You sound you sound raring to go, mate. Yep, up for it. Yep, there was loads at the weekend as I've discussed. They had a Highland Derby. We'll talk about that. We had Celtic narrowly winning on Sunday, but not convincingly. We had Rangers beating Falkirk on Saturday. Referee possibly at fault there. Connor believes we'll come on to that later on, a bit later on. We also had the team that we've been having a go at all season, Partick Thistle. They won 3-0 at the weekend, we'll be coming on to them as well. We also had Aberdeen, the league leaders, going down 5-1 at home to St Johnson. Hearts as well, failing to win, what's happened to them? All issues that we'll discuss later on. Also, we'll be talking Scotland ahead of Thursday's game against Poland, that make-or-break game. We'll have a good natter about what team we think Scotland should put out and we'll have a wee look ahead to that game, looking forward to that one. That's later on in the podcast, though. We will start... I think the place to start would be at Petaudry on Saturday. We'll come on to the Championship later on. I know you are all itching to get started on that one at Ibrox, but we will start with the action, as I say, at Petaudry. It was a 5-1 defeat for Aberdeen. Is it time that we have a bit of a go at Derek McInnes' side? Um, well, I think it's I think it's time for questions to be asked of Aberdeen's title credentials. Um, certainly, the last few weeks it's been a bit of a, a dodgy period for them. Um, it'll be interesting now to see how they how they bounce back um, if they can if they can get back get back onto form. Um, that one point, obviously, if they were offered that situation at the start of the season, they would have taken it. Um, it's the manner with, though that it's coming. Both hands, it? yeah, absolutely. I mean, they started so well, and now they're couple of defeats, it'll really test the, the character of that squad to see how they bounce back and the character of Derek McInnes as a manager. Going into the game, Connor Aberdeen had the best defensive record in the Scottish Premiership, but it's all gone pear-shaped, hasn't it? It certainly has for them. I mean, three games in a row now, three defeats. And I think when you look at a team that want to be challenging at the top of the table, that want to be pushing Celtic all the way, that doesn't happen by losing this consecutive amount of games. I know one of them is a cup game, but what happens is, slowly but surely, instead of getting into a winning pattern, you get into a kind of mediocre pattern, where it goes from winning every second game, and then not necessarily getting beat, but draws when you shouldn't be drawing, and, and all that sort of stuff. And It's very important if Aberdeen want to have any chance at all of keeping a title race alive at the top, that they get back to winning very quickly, they win consistently, and it's only once they begin to find that pattern again that they can begin 
and we can begin to start talking up challenges for Celtic at top league again. It was a terrific start from St Johnson on Saturday, two up within 10 minutes, that wonderful goal from Brian Easton. Do you want to give us a wee in on what comment on that? It was an absolute screamer, I'd, wasn't it? I think you may as well just stop the goal of the season. Really? Um, we've we've had some crackers though, Connor. your face, you're thinking of Luke Lee here, aren't you? No, yeah. I just think they're Lil Volks, surely. Oh, you think I'm thinking Lee? of Lee, I'm thinking of Volks. But no, no, nothing like Easton's. Have you seen Easton's yet? I have been. See, to be perfectly honest with you. And then I'm flapping lo- your arms about it. going to sound a wee bit um, thingy here. Bias. Fluke. Fluke? Oh, fluke. surely not, Connor. Surely you're not saying that was a fluke. It's a screamer. It's an absolute screamer. You say he I just don't it. think. Th- you I don't just think he meant it. I think he meant to have a shot. I don't think he meant for it to loop and dip and go. <laughs> well, right you don't, you don't think he corner. meant to score with his shot? It sounds do you bizarre. Do you realise what you're saying? No, it sounds bizarre. I just, I just don't think that's something. I just don't, don't see Brian Easton pulling off something like that. Exactly. That's like what makes it so brilliant. Because Brian Easton. For me, it will not be goal this season. Anyway, hands down, because it was too close to goal. But if Messi mm. done that, you'd be going on about it forever. It's Brian Easton. Brian Easton of St. Johnston. I know. Yeah, it was an absolute screamer. Callum, in terms of Aberdeen, I mean, goals like that obviously can't really be helped. It was, no matter what Connor says, it was a belter that Aberdeen couldn't do anything about. But there has been signs of nervousness at the back. Yeah, that was the one thing that struck me watching that game back was how poor Aberdeen were defensively I mean even Ward and goals was very shaky I thought um, and I, it's just it seemed to have came out of nowhere really it just they, they were very easily exposed um, I thought at the weekend and it seemed just like everything that could have gone wrong for Aberdeen on Saturday did go wrong Lewis how are we how are we viewing Aberdeen now as a start to the season after I think was it seven games they had maximum points we're thinking this is brilliant they're now out of the league cup they've lost two in a row are we starting to put a different slant on their first 10 or so games oh, it's still a very good start but um you know I, I think I think for McInnes's uh, sake I think he'd be quite glad the international breaks coming up because it's, it gives them time to regroup and you know this bad momentum they're going on they can hopefully kind of halt that you know, from their perspective um I just as out, just as what officials saying about um, defensively, I, I thought you know just it was simple balls into the box that they couldn't deal with, and that's not really a, a very you know, something char- characteristic of this Aberdeen team so far this season. Um, usually, you know, they're they're okay defensively, but they were it's a complete uh, capitulation at the back, um, and in some ways, you know. I don't know if I, I know the story, the scoreline obviously suggests that you know this is a, a hor- horrendous result, but I th- I, in some ways, a lot of the goals, you know, the, the first one you can't do anything about, you know, the second one was it was a bit of a fluke. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, these are problems that Aberdeen can address, are not huge issues, and this is the first time that they've really cropped up, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, St. Johnson have been. I think they're known now as the team that gets no credit for their efforts. I'm going to set a stopwatch here. Let's give three full minutes of just St. Johnson credit because what a team Tommy Wright has. In all honesty, they've won 3-1 at Ibrox. They've now won 5-1 at Pataudry, two of the top teams in the country. They beat Dundee United. Not a terrible team, going through a bad phase, but player for player, not a bad team. We'll come on to them later on. They beat them with 10 men. Yep. Hell of a team Tommy Wright has there and hell of a job he's doing. Well, fair play to him because I think most people won't realise is that Saturday's result came without Michael Halloran as well. Yeah. He's been the kind of key man. Um, he's probably so, he's been their best player, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. So I mean it just shows you overall what a good what a good side they are. I think me and Sparky were 
were really writing them off at the start of the season, saying that um, you know there's no way they can keep up what they've done in previous years. So I think we'll both hold our hands up and say we got it badly wrong. Um, but yeah, fair play to them. They're they're scoring goals. They're looking good defensively. Really get a good core core shape about them. Um, and I think they'll I think they'll do well this season. And I think they'll continue to do well. Um, no no question. You know that there has been interest for Tommy Wright, and rightly so. Pardon the pun. Um, so I think I think it's a, mat- a matter of time before he gets a bigger move, Tommy Wright. But I don't think it'll be to Dundee United. But I could see him going down south, possibly. Yeah, as I say, they are their main strength. That St. Johnson team, Lewis, is that they're they're well organised. They're hard to beat, but they're much more than that, aren't they? Going forward, they've got some cracking players. I'm thinking of McLean, O'Hallinan, uh, Murray, Davidson as well. They've got some great players going forward. I think I think another player you need to give a bit of credit to as well is Liam Craig, who I think. Um, Slowly but surely, all the kind of Hibs element is just kind of disappearing into his game, and he's, and he's starting to show, uh, the, or starting to show signs of the player that he once was. Um, I thought he was terrific on uh, Saturday, and I think he's he's a real key player for them if they are, are to be performing the way they've been performing recently. Anything else to add from that game, guys? Um, I think it just shows that it's well. I think now it's a, it's really important how Aberdeen bounce back. Obviously. Every team goes through a sort of bad spell during the season, um, and I think how Aberdeen would, you know, how Aberdeen come back from this will maybe give a good indication as to if we can say they're legitimate title contenders this season. Yeah, well, Aberdeen's loss on Saturday gave Celtic the chance to close the gap at the top of the league. Celtic did do so on Sunday at New Douglas Park, but it wasn't easy, Connor. It wasn't, and I think that's what you come to expect of <coughs> Hamilton this season. Um, over the course, now admittedly at the start, probably not, um, but over the course so far they've shown that I don't think they concede a vast amount of goals. Um, yeah, they're the second best uh, conceded record. I think they're now, they've conceded one more than Aberdeen, which when you think how well Aberdeen had done up until Saturday is quite incredible. Absolutely. Um, I think, if anything, I know I know they've won games and scored goals, but if anything you'd probably still say they Ideally, if you're Martin Cannon, you're probably wanting another striker up there, just mm. something different. Um, but massive credit to them for that. I think in any game against Celtic, you need to get a good start, which obviously did um, by taking the lead. Of course, there's uncertainties over um, the defensive uh, partnership at the back there for Celtic, but particularly Boyata in terms of that goal. Didn't cover himself in any glory at all. Um, and I feel, despite Celtic was putting the two goals in front, Hamilton would probably feel that with a wee bit more about them, a wee bit just something different that maybe they were lacking to bring on and maybe they're lacking a kind of spark from the bench they could bring on and, and change things because they could maybe have snuck a point out of that game. Um, but credit to Celtic as well though because that's the difference, that's the winning momentum that I was talking about earlier on Aberdeen that Aberdeen need to get back to and start finding if they're going to challenge at the top. It's about grinding out results, coming from behind away from home against a team that, for all we know now this year, could finish third or fourth. Mm. Um, that's actually... Take away from the fact that I think it's easy to say it's a win away at Hamilton, but when you take look at it specifically and say it's a win away from home, coming from behind against a team that are doing very, very well at the moment, and as I say, for all we know, could be right up there, it's actually a very uh, credible result. It's a mark of champions. Yeah. I think that's our result. Yeah. You mentioned that they come, came from behind, obviously, there. It was an early goal from Grammas Kurtai. It was. Poor defending from Boyata though it was it was too easy. Terrific finish, take nothing away from the finish, but stuff like that must worry Boyata. And to be honest, he looked sheepish when he scored the equaliser. He maybe feeling 
well, rightly so, that he should have done better for that first goal. Yeah, he's, I think he, I think he is aware that he is, he's maybe not performing to the levels that he maybe expects from himself. Because there's been a few games this year when he's, he seems very frustrated when he does he does something wrong. Uh, all credit to uh, Kurtuaj, who you know it's a fantastic finish, and um, he had a great game actually. Him and uh, Gillespie were just uh, terrific for Hamilton, in my opinion. Um, but uh, you know Celtic, all credit to them, they got the result. Um, although they certainly didn't make things easy for themselves, you know defensively that is you know pretty appalling to be honest to be giving away a, a goal like that when when you're in a position like that. I think things will change when you know they have the likes of Mulgrew might come back in the centre half, um, Simunovic as well. Um, but and, and you know at the moment there is obviously defensive problems there. Um, just in terms of the second goal as well from Griffiths, I thought that was just a fantastic header. Um, we're actually saying that it was in a funny way it was quite Larson like the way he hung up in the air and he nodded it in. It was I mean just we'll come on to Scotland later on obviously, but he he must be a a shout to get into that Scotland team. Well, Fletcher scored at the weekend, so that's probably how Rhodes scored. Guaranteed his, scored. Uh, his place, but uh, no, I mean, Griffiths is he does give something different, and it's it, it's really strange for a player him, of, of his height to be able to you know jump that high and and um and make the Hamilton defence look like mugs uh, pretty much, you know. Um, I thought I think he is he's, he's, he's something different for Scotland, he really is. He's a goal scorer, you know, and um, I think nine's at, nine times out of ten when he's one on one the keeper, he is going to score, and I think that's you no know, difference between a player like him and a player like Stephen Fletcher. But we'll obviously go into that, you know, later. Yeah, it was a it was a real disappointing game at New Douglas Park. Uh, I don't know if you you've seen it, Callum, but it was it was um, it was pretty poor. The second half especially had nothing of note, but I suppose. As Connor said earlier on, those are the kind of games that Celtic win that maybe Aberdeen wouldn't have. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I've only seen the highlights and obviously echo what Lewis said about Griffiths' header. I think, as he headed it with the back of his head there? Was, and he just going away to be in the air forever. It was, quite, mm. it was almost like Ronaldo did in the, the Champions League final not too long ago. Yeah, it was a, it was a cracking header. I mean, as you say... <laughs> The, the the mark is if you're going to get consistent challenges with Celtic with obviously Rangers not being there um, is if the other teams can go away to these kind of places and grind out results like that and obviously Aberdeen have kind of flattered to deceive a wee bit but credit where it's due to Celtic you know it's been a it's been a difficult start to the season with them you know obviously not getting into the Champions League starting to do quite well in the Europa League now um, and and getting results like that which can only put the pressure on Aberdeen. Are we seeing a sign of improvement for Celtic, do you think, Ross? I mean, Dyla was very, very quick in the post-match press conference to, to say that this team have won seven and only lost one out of the last ten matches and he feels that a bit more positivity should be put on the results they're getting. Do you think that's justified? I think that's an argument you can make, but you've got to realise Celtic have got a lot superior players to the rest of the, the Premiership, so you've got to take that in account as well. Fair play to them, though. I mean, they came off that game against Fenerbahce... Um, Taking a good effort, actually end up getting a point out of the game. So I'm sure they were they were feeling it a wee bit come 70 minutes at New Douglas Park. Um, but fair play to them, they got the result. Uh, I think you could make the argument that they maybe deserve a wee bit more credit. Um, but I think it's more been, I think it's maybe probably come under not come under the radar as much due to Aberdeen's kind of crisis in the last couple of weeks. I'm going to call it a crisis. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think so. Um, you could make that argument. It's very easy to pick away at Celtic and put out negative points and and I'm not saying that even myself included doesn't do it. Um I think what you need to remember is they have been disguised very much so by Aberdeen like you've said. But there's this kind of feeling that 
uh, for me anyway, unless it's hitting perfection, then they'll get points made at them and, and chipped away. I think actually what we need to t- do back and take a step back in realism and say, well, if this was a title challenge, and again, like the point made about Saturday's vic- sorry, yesterday's victory over Hamilton, it's actually a very good victory. And I think, yeah, you could sit back and say, losing a goal, poor defending, still some issues. But at the end of the day, they grinded out the result. And let's be honest, if it was Aberdeen that grinded out the result, it would be Aberdeen grinded out the result, end of. Whereas with Celtic, we still look at those negatives because we expect perfection. And maybe that's something that we shouldn't expect anymore. Maybe the days of that being totally dominant. I think it's even shown in the league table, it's nothing against Celtic. But those days are kind of gone where it will be hitting four or five every week because teams actually, to their credit, below them have improved. And I think even yeah. tactically over the years have improved manager-wise. That like, so You have got younger manager in there who are very intelligent about the game and know how to combat what teams are doing. It's just for me very easy, and I think that's the point that I think we now need in a title race to take a step back and have a look and say, well, what is the ultimate aim for Ryan Dial at the end of the day? It's three points, and, and, and that's what he's managed to do, and it's a point he made with so many wins in such a recent time. I think, and I would agree with the majority of what you've said there, um, there's a couple of points probably to pick up in there. One... <clears throat> I think um, Celtic probably haven't been going all out in terms of what they can spend because I'm sure from a Celtic perspective, the expectation is to win the league. So And without any real consistent challenge, obviously Aberdeen have been thereabouts, but not in the same way that they've had in previous years. Um, whether or not Celtic decide to do that if Rangers come up this year or if even Aberdeen push them even closer remains to be seen. Um, and I think the second point is nobody's really sure if we can call it a title race yet because, OK, Aberdeen are top of the league, but do we see this as just a really good start from Aberdeen and now they begin to fade away Celtic um, because they've got a better quality of players? Do they now start to push away themselves um, far in front and just make the, the league you know, no, no challenge there at all? I suppose we'll see that in the, the upcoming weeks, whether Aberdeen do recover um, and whether Celtic continue with this momentum. So I think... It's it's difficult. I think people. I think it's the same kind of thing that what happened to with Rangers when they went down to Division Three. You know, just because there is a a, a bigger quality gap doesn't mean they're going to go and romp every game. Um, and I think obviously that's a lot. The, the gap is significantly decreased, obviously, in the Premiership between Celtic and, and other clubs. So I think credit does need to go to to Celtic though because. You know, every year there seems to be this question around the start of the season, whereby, you know, there's always some sort of problems, whether it's not getting in the Champions League or losing their best player or that. And every year, they might start off a wee bit shaky, but they slowly grow into it and they become consistent and they win the league. So I think the the point Connor makes there is fair, um, and I think whether we can, I think it just depends now whether Aberdeen can can recover, whether we can call this a title race or not. In terms of your your Aberdeen point, I I do think that Aberdeen will recover. I do I don't think I think they're too good to to not to recover and to fall away by twenty thirty points. If that's what you were, kind of I, maybe, well, I wouldn't say maybe twenty thirty points, but I just think you know what, the way I could maybe see it going if they don't recover is if it's maybe similar to last season where they're not really in it, but it just takes a certain amount of time for Celtic to win the league. I but, think the difference is this time they know they can beat Celtic. Yeah. I mean, whether they can do it at Celtic Park is another challenge that Derek McInnes and his side will have to face. Uh, and in terms of the the Celtic maybe having money that they don't that they've maybe not spent, um, I'd argue to to the extent that they've spent five and a half million on Semyonovic who hasn't even played yet, which sure. is a big I think the most we've spent since probably. 
Chris Sutton, maybe something like that. I don't know. Do you feel that's justified? That price tag, mm-hmm. we'll find out. Time will tell. Not seen him enough. What I've heard, I mean, I, I didn't see the Ajax game, the only game he's played in. Uh, I heard that he's in a similar mode to Nemanja Vidic in the way that he's no nonsense. He's not very like Van Dyke in the way that, I mean, I'm not comparing him to Vidic in terms of his quality. Um, but in terms of Van Dyke, he's nowhere like Van Dyke. He's not as good of a ball player. I think he's more of a just win the ball kind of player, a no nonsense centre half, if you like. Um, so, so Van Dyke's better than Vidic? At the moment, he is. I'd say. Well, no, when Vidic was in his prime, I'm assuming that's Semenovic. I, I didn't make that point at all. Um, no, Vidic, Vidic in his prime is a better player than Van Dyke, I'd say. Talking about Van Dyke, though, wonderful at the weekend for Southampton. He and Wanyama against Chelsea. I think, I, I mean, what you're just to kind of counter that and play devil's advocate a bit, okay, you've spent that money on Semenovic, but you've also then brought in the likes of Boyata and Yanko for, you know, little or no fees. Yeah. Things like that. So it does even itself out. Um, I think the Semyonovic signing was more from fan pressure than any worries about not winning the league. Yeah, I think it was more. I, know, a, I would agree you, with that. You cannot let uh, Van Dyke go and not bring anyone in. I think it was a. Certainly not need to back fee. the fans yeah. here. Yeah. So anyway, we'll move on. Um, <coughs> in fact, sorry, just before I move on, I'll ask you, Lewis. Uh, it was good to see Stuart Armstrong back in the Celtic team. He's been missing for a wee while, and um, he'll be a big plus coming back into that side. Yeah, it looked good when he came on, uh, and uh, you know what, Kai Stephen came on as well, and they're linking quite well, reminiscent of their time at United and their kind of the brief spell uh, they've had at Celtic so far. Um, he's a key player for Celtic, and um, uh, we saw in Europe last year when he, uh, when, he, when he played against Inter Milan what a key player he can be in, in these in these big games. Yeah, really rates Stuart Armstrong. Hearts, bit of a we talk about Aberdeen in crisis. I don't think you can say Hearts are in crisis at all, but. It is, I think, five league wins without a win. They've drawn their last two, lost the three before that. For a team that won the first five in the league and we were talking, remember, if we go back about a month or so, we're talking about this team as, can they challenge Celtic, can they challenge Aberdeen? It's fallen a bit flat, hasn't it, Connor? I think um, it has most definitely fallen flat. Looking at last Saturday's game in particular, um, I believe a lot of it comes down to Jamie McDonald. Uh, come back against his old club. Apparently, he had a, a number of outstanding saves. Is he in line for goalkeeper of the year so far? He's been he's been outstanding every week. You seem to hear he's just outstanding. I, I'd say so. The only one I would uh, I put a shout in for as well Ward. is Ward. Yeah, um, at Aberdeen. I think they could be neck and neck. The other one that I often think probably is producing great saves every week, but probably isn't known about is is Michael McGovern. I think that at Hamilton, he will be pulling off great saves but that'll be deflected by the fact they're still winning the games whereas like it's a Saturday for Kilmarnock McDonald's pulled off a series of great saves and essentially that's won his team a point um, at, at Tynecastle. but it's a big result for Kilmarnock in many ways as well for Hearts though they need to be beaten likes of Kilmarnock at home it's no disrespect but they're a bigger team a better team and uh, if they have aspirations they get in European football this year which I think they should have had anyway. I think that definitely they was top six. I think they came out and said that. Um, so for me, you should be aiming for Europe if you're looking for that because it can become so tight at the top end there that to not be beating Kilmarnock at home with the poor run that they've had at the start of the year, albeit slightly improving now, uh, it's just in many ways not acceptable for Hearts. Um, and I think if you were going into Saturday's game, you would have automatically said that three points were not a given, but certainly imperative. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll stay on Hearts because, as we said, it's been a bit disappointing. Um, Ryan Moffat at RY Moffat on Twitter brings up the point that Robbie Nielsen made, in his words, a crazy decision to take off Osman So on Saturday. Signs, Callum, that the, the Hearts support are maybe starting to, for the first time, see a bit of weakness in Nielsen. Um, maybe a little bit. I mean, it's hard to judge the kind of wider thought of the Hearts support based on just kind of one comment like that. Um, <clears throat> it's probably the first time under Nielsen's uh, reign, if you like, that they've had, you know, things haven't really been going as expected. I suppose last season they went better than expected um, with, with the way they won the championship. And then at the start of this season, obviously they did very well playing some attractive football. That's kind of slipped away a bit in recent weeks. <clears throat> Excuse me. And obviously being held at home at Tynecastle against the Kilmarnock side that have been fairly poor um, I think we'd all agree so far this season isn't exactly what you were expecting I mean we were all saying we expected Hearts to really kick into gear um, in this game and and maybe show that you know it was just a wee bit of a blip but I think you, it's their first season back up in the Premiership obviously after being relegated it's Nielsen's first taste of the sort of top flight football from a managerial perspective I think it would just be you know he's still a young manager he's, he's going to make mistakes he's going to learn he's going to improve um, so I, I just think it would be it'd be far too early for, for anybody to really say there'd be any real pressure on Nielsen I feel In terms of Kilmarnock Ross we're obviously not joined by our very own Kelly, Kelly Cow, sorry. Um, Kelly Cow. Kelly Cow. Kelly Cow. But we do have a, a Kelly fan on Twitter at the Snowman21 telling us that. Great name. He feels it was a good point for Kilmarnock on Saturday, but he's wondering what is, if you pardon the pun, what is the point if you lose at home to Dundee, Ross County, and Hamilton? Is that a fair point? I, th- I think it is. I mean, well, I can understand where he's coming from, but at the same time, you've. A point in Tynecastle is still a great result, you know, you've got to look at it that way. I mean, um, we, we were chatting to Callum um, earlier on and he's he's just like, he's just so, he's so down, he's dejected at the way his team's playing and it's not even, he's, to be fair he said it wasn't that result alone on Saturday, which was a good result in my mind anyway, it's the way they've started the season, but I just think, yeah, I think... It was quite similar, sorry to butt into that tweet, he was kind of like, well what's the point if we go and get a draw at Tynecastle if we can't do it against these teams? I, this, this is not a, a, a personal dig at, at Callum in any way. But I do feel that, and I know we did tip and do well this year, but sometimes I feel that maybe his viewing of where Kilmarnock should be in the Premiership is slightly misguided in terms of I just don't feel that Kilmarnock are a definite top six club every year. I just, mm. I heard them say earlier on, you know, Kilmarnock should be a top six club. I, I, I don't feel that personally. I think this year, looking at their signings, I felt they had the capabilities to be there. But I, I just think actually... For Kilmarnock, if they're going along nicely in 7th or 8th, fairly comfortable every season, I actually think that's not too bad for them. I suppose, that, but there's only so many comfortable 7, 8 position seasons that you can take before you go, right, well, we should be kicking on here. And I, think, aye, and I think that's probably where he's coming from. He's going, well, this is where we finished for a certain amount of years. Why can't we now push on um, and, and aim higher? I think a large part of, not to obviously speak on his behalf, but... I think a large part of his dissatisfaction, if you like, with Kilmarnock comes from the fact that he feels completely dejected by the way the club's been run. Yeah, that, um, that is interesting. I think that probably goes for a lot of Kelly fans. Just, you mean, you get a general flavour for for a team's fans from the replies you get on Twitter. And mm-hmm. They just, um, again, nothing against Kilmarnock. They, they just they seem very, even after good results, it's, oh, just wait till next week, we'll get beat again next week. There seems a bit of an apathy there. I mean, I can... I, 
to an extent I can understand that because if you're so dejected with the way your club's been ran, the grand scheme of things, results aren't obviously they're very important, but they're not as important as the club being as you being satisfied with how your club, um, the inner workings of your club is going and things like that. And I mean, from what I can gather, from what I've seen from Kelly fans, are not Gary Locke seems to be a problem as well. You know, he's not. They don't feel like he's up to it. He seems to employ people that he's either worked with before or it's just kind of lazy signing policies. People well, we think they've done it before. or I wouldn't say his policies have been lazy. I think signing Callum Higginbottom, everyone was tipping Callum Higginbottom for big things, you know, when he joined. Um, Jamie McDonald was a cracking signing, you know. I think, obviously, he knows certain players, but I think you've, you've got to give him a bit of credit. I mean, he's, he's started really he started really poorly this season. I think well, it. I think it's sorry to interrupt. I think it's an easy accusation to make when the team isn't playing well. But I think when the, if he starts to win games, I, I genuinely think he'll turn it around. I think he'll be fine. I think Kelly will finish seventh or eighth this season. And when they do that, it will then be oh, he signed the players that he knows. But why why go for players you don't know? Go for players you know that will do well for the club. So it's it's an easy accusation to make when the team isn't playing well. But I, I genuinely I. I mean, Kelly fans, I'm not Mystic Meg or anything, but I do think that um, that Kelly will, will go on a good run the second half of the season, similar to what they did last season when he got that immediate kick when he came in. I think they're, they're far, I mean, it's an old saying, but I think they're far too good to be down the bottom of the league, I really do. Mm. I mean, that wasn't my point of view from what I just said there about lazy signings and that. That's just kind of what I've seen from other Kilmarnock fans yeah. and, and things like that. Um, I don't know, it, it's, it's kind of strange. Would you say a lot of that would be down to how good Kelly were or the fact that there are, at the moment anyway, teams that are a lot poorer than them? Uh, well, I, th- I think you're always going to get that in the league. Pro- mm. It's a good question. Probably because there are teams that are poorer than them, but that's just the way football works. There's teams that are better than them. I think they're. I do think they're just a, a middle of the range team, and that's not a. That's not me disrespecting them. I think that is what they are. They're a middle of the range league team. I don't think. I mean, I don't know if any of you want to disagree. I don't think they'll be relegated this year. No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I don't they'll think even so. be near being relegated. This this is how clubs get into trouble, though. Sometimes they just don't realise. Actually, you know, and and it's hard to because I know everyone wants their team to strive for better and strive for higher, but sometimes clubs need to take a step back and, and realise where their placing is. I've seen it myself with my own team. Uh, we tried to go, and, and we thought we could get European football and, and comfortable top six. We missed out in top six by a point one year. We went and spent far too much money on players, and it's ended up with us being in the first division and down there for five years because it took so much time to rebuild again. If I could have done anything that year, you know what I mean, if that, we could change it at all, I wouldn't have went for top six, but don't get me wrong, at the time, I believe we could have done it. I believe that we were we're ready to make that step. But now, looking back on it, I do genuinely realise, you know, sometimes you just need to look and say, well, it's not ideal, but maybe this season, this is where we need to accept we're going to be. Because I also think a big part of Kilmarnock this year is, oh, come on, who, who would have said three years ago that Ross County and Hamilton would have been third and fourth and fifth in your Premiership? You wouldn't have and said Vanessa that. as well. When you you know, you would not have predicted that four, a year, four years ago or something. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm, I think I made the point a couple of weeks ago as well. Like, say, Dundee United being down there, is it just a, a change of the times? Because if you think about it, about six, seven, eight years ago, Dundee United were down the bottom league with Craig Brewster, Craig Brewster, sorry, and they managed to push themselves back up. Is it just a sign of the times that these teams that are now going to be the dominant ones closer to the top of the table have changed? I think that's a fair point, but 
sometimes clubs need relegation in order to regroup themselves. You know, we've seen what Hearts have done, what relegation have done to them. Even a team like Hibs uh, back in the early noughties, you know, relegated was the best thing that happened to Hibs because they they could regroup and um, you know build build momentum in a in a arguably weaker league and then use that momentum to. To propel themselves in the in the top flight, you know, there's there's teams that have have you know got relegated and you know they've fitted right back into the in the top flight. For me, Hearts and Hibs are exceptional circumstances because they are two teams that, when they went down, their supporters were galvanised. Their supporters and fan bases are far bigger than any provincial club in Scottish football. And I have to say, if you look at it generally, that provincial clubs like Kilmarnock, when they've gone down, have not generally speaking bounce straight back up you've got Falkirk, you've got Dunfermline you've got um, Thistle when they went down Inverness uh, this year hasn't looked like it Inverness though, they're actually a much better team than they were the first time they were in the, in the top flight but generally Hamilton as well yes but what I'm saying is it didn't take one season Dundee it didn't take one season. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it needs to take one season. Though I'm saying that it's, it's sometimes it's not the worst thing to be. No, I'm not saying it's the worst build thing. momentum. But in terms of your examples, the Hearts and Hibs, they were totally exceptional because of the support and the level they had. I mean, the Hearts are still. Um, I don't know the finances at Tyne Castle, but it wouldn't surprise me if Hearts are still being pushed forward by last year's money from the fans because there was so right, much. But, well, well, okay, clubs. But I'll use the example of Inverness then. Because they look a lot better now than they were the first time they were in Hamilton as well, arguably. Yeah, but Hamilton were a team that were down for a number of years before they managed to get back up again. I'm not denying that um, it it can work out well, because don't get me wrong, I think if we went back up now, we'd be in a better place. But in terms of Kilmarnock, I actually think it could go the other way. I think they could, for a period of time, find themselves like a kind of stuck down there like ourselves yeah it's an obvious statement though that they're going to be in a better place when they go up that's why why you strive to go up the leagues that's that's just a statement but no team should even go down yeah but I remember I remember I think when Hamilton went down a couple of years ago uh, can't remember the chairman's name apologies Hamilton fans but yeah McDonald I remember him just saying this isn't the worst thing for us. We can rebuild. We can get. I mean, they brought Alex Neil. This was when they had Billy Reid in charge, and they brought Alex Neil in. And they, they, he said, "Look, we've got rid of." That was when they got rid of uh, the two the two boys who went away down to England. Um, the three boys actually, the left back, uh, left back Brian Easton went as well. But he said at that point, "Look, this isn't bad. We can rebuild. We can go again. We can get the grassroots." I think they brought the AstroTurf pitch in at that point, and we can go again. So I think for some clubs, i.e. Hamilton, Falkirk would be another one. It works like that when you've maybe not got that fan pressure to get right back up that Hibs and Hearts had. The only thing I would say with Hamilton is I do feel they were slightly exceptional circumstances as well due to the massive amount. Of, I mean, they're still earning massive amounts off of McCarthy and MacArthur. And I think for any provincial Scottish club to get the transfer deals that they got out of that, it will be very, very rare to see that level mm. again. Um, or it'll happen very few times have those two high quality players going for such a high price they were living off of that For surely you guys of have, have Falkirk have raked in a lot of money though we have but the difference being like say, the the immediate fees that like say, Hamilton got for them to were massive and then still look at I mean Hamilton got 10% of the last McCarthy the move from there so that's another massive chunk that the players left years ago you know Um and I just feel that was what they were kind of going on and they had a lot of money, a lot, a lot of upfront money then to kind of reinvest, push forward. Whereas, I know I keep coming back and I don't want to do it, but 
ourselves went down with with nothing. You know, we we, had, we didn't have money. You know, and that's why it's taken longer. I feel than a Hamilton who had a lot of money there due to these transfers, and we're still pumping it in from it years later. Whereas we just keep needing to finding fresh players. Yeah, we went off on a bit of a tangent there, so we'll we'll move on to. Partick Thistle, glorious Partick Thistle, 3-0 winners at the weekend, I think we've done the exact same as we did with Hamilton a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, sorry, we didn't, we've not learned our lesson, because we said, where are the goals going to come from, I think I used that exact phrase last week to do with Partick Thistle, I tipped on the United to win that, and goals from Amu, Dumbaya and Bannigan, give Partick a 3-0 win over Dundee United, Ross. Yeah, it's impressive, um, I think this is a good time to be playing Dundee United, um, obviously they're in a desperate state just now looking for a new manager I think Martin made the point last week saying about Dave Boomini clearly he clearly reignited that fire by his comments after the game saying that his players were soft um, and every 50-50 tackle it was going to be a Thistle player player coming out of the ball Um, so yeah credit to Thistle Um, they could possibly use this as a kind of building block Um, they'll be looking up the table now rather than depressing about the way they're in um, maybe their fans will be a wee bit more positive than Kelly you never know um, but yeah one win as I said you know it's, it is one win um, but they'll be hoping to use it as a stepping stone to to hopefully climb up that table we actually talked about it last week I think um, well, Bowman's comments in the media you know it could either go one way it's pretty obvious it went the wrong way for United mm. um, and you know, as, as as you said, you know, after the match as well, he was talking about you know soft soft touches, you know, not going at fifty fifty. And I, every time I've watched United, that's what I've seen. You know, this isn't just exclusive to Partick Thistle. You know, every single time I've seen United this year, they have looked weak, they have looked soft, they they, they are shirking out of fifty fifty tackles. Um, but you know, and saying that, also give credit to Thistle. Um, David Amu in particular, and I think he was uh, singled out in sports scene. I thought he had a terrific game. Yeah, but it is as um, worrying, really worrying for Dundee United. Um, I asked a question on Twitter the other day: Can it get any worse? St Mirren fan replied in saying, "Yeah, try being a St Mirren fan, but can it get any worse?" Callum, they are now bottom of the league. Obviously, going down is starting to become a bit of a concern for them. Yeah, um, I think the only way it could get worse is if they continue with how they're doing. And how an NF, for example, Partick were to start to pick up results um, and start to push away. I'm not sure if I can see that happening. So I feel as though maybe uh, Dundee United could keep in touch just by, you know, the fact that I just don't see if Partick's momentum uh, or Partick could build any momentum to maybe get themselves away from there. It remains to be seen. Um, I think Dundee United really do need to need to hurry up and decide who who they want in as their new manager because it's just a sinking ship at the moment and it's just gradually getting worse. And as Ross says, um, Bowman's comments after the match made it seem as if he'd, he's not really wanting to be there. Um, and I don't think the players probably after hearing some of his comments will be too keen for him to stick a, stick around much longer either. I can almost hear the Partick fans shouting at their phone or whatever they listen to this on at the moment give us some credit it's about time we do that I think because no matter what we say about Dundee United we still tipped Dundee United to win that I've been tipping party for a record low points tally Connor do we think they can kick on now and move up that league come on come on come on please okay yeah I think this result will have give them hope that they can push forward um in theory I think I need to see another couple of positive 
good results again to really believe that. Um, but I, I think that. what it does do is give them um, a kind of signal and intention that the team do have the capabilities to put in very impressive performances and to get good results. It's up to the players now to harness that, to take it forward uh, and to try and drive themselves up the league by using the momentum of, of yesterday's victory and keep it going, even if it's just a point in their next game. Just try and keep some sort of unbeaten run going because um, that's the only way they're going to get themselves out of danger and keep themselves in the league. Ross, Lewis, Callum? I think you've got to give them credit. Um it's obviously, it's obviously difficult. Alan Archibald's in a really difficult position. Um, you know, constantly, he's maybe actually been masked a wee bit with, you know, with um, McNamara and Barraclough both losing their jobs. The pressure's, the, the limelight's possibly been off him a wee bit, just with the, the kind of high scale casualties of them. But, I mean, I think Archibald deserves a wee bit of credit. I know it's only one game, but it's it was a six-pointer. You know, it was yeah, definitely. Um, it was a massive game, and to be fair to them, they won it. Um, so it'll be good to see the the fans maybe get behind Archibald a wee bit, and who knows, they might be able to push on. Might hopefully we'll go to the the old tea party in the Highlands on Saturday. Then I won't come to you, Connor, because I know you couldn't be bothered with this game at all. It was the Highland Derby, and it was a bit of a surprise result. I think, to be honest, what we've established is that we know very little about football if we didn't know that already because I think if you look at all the games we've been made to look foolish in almost all of them apart from Celtic really and that was quite obvious to be honest um, it was a 2-1 win for Inverness in Dingwall on Saturday showing the Falkirk boys how it's done a terrific win for Inverness and they really now look like they're starting to, to hit a bit of a bit of form under under Hughes. I mean, they've, they've had that win, that win against Hearts about a month ago seems to have catapulted their season into action. Since then, they've beaten Aberdeen. They've got a point against Dundee United, which isn't anything special. They're still in the Cup. Obviously, they've got Ross County in the next round as well. If they can win that, they'll be in the semi-final. And they have a, a Highland Derby win to their name, Ross. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. I mean... I think John Hughes, it was, it was almost a wee bit of pressure building on him um, after the start Inverness made. So I think, you know, I think they've got to take positives from this run. Um, I think that they've got to look onwards and upwards as well. I think, you know, it's not it's not unbelievable to think they could make top four, um, especially the, the run they're on. That, that's the thing about this league, it's so open, you know, you've got probably about eight teams that could finish in that top four, you know, it's so, so tight. Um, so... I think the main thing is momentum. If they can keep this run going for a period, then they'll not do themselves any harm at all. Lewis, you get anything to add from that game? Uh, I just think that uh, Sparky, before the game, you were saying it was going to be usually quite tame affairs, but, um, you know, it was quite... They certainly weren't shucking away from tackles and and that. um, I don't know, I thought... um, It's all credit to Inverness. You know, I actually... I I said at the start, you know... I think they'll grow into the season and they'll get better as, as it goes on and um, I think I've been proven right. Five and a half thousand there at the game. I think we were guessing about that on Saturday. That's fairly decent. Yeah, I think it's maybe 1,500 to 2,000 in Vanessa. So it's it's a very good away crowd. Um, and uh, yeah, for County as well, who've, as I said before, you know, their home crowds have actually been quite pretty impressive this year. And just uh, an off day for, for Ross County, Callum? Um, it's it's difficult to say because obviously Inverness have been improving. Ross County have been on this sort of really um, 
impressive run recently. I, I always thought Inverness would come good at some point. Um, I think they're starting to show He's that. You're off now. saying that now, aren't you? Well, I know, but I, I think I, I tipped Inverness for third or something ridiculous like that um, at the start of the season. But um, there remains to be seen, obviously, how how they'll do. Um, I'm sure Ross County will come back from this, and I'm sure they'll be fine. And I think Inverness will now continue um, to maybe make their way up the league a wee bit. Yep. Final game that we haven't touched on from the Scottish Premiership on Saturday was at Dens Park. I said before the game, and I actually put up on the Twitter on Saturday, that I thought Motherwell could get a result here. I just thought Dundee aren't as good as we think they are. And um, the new manager, Stephen Craigan, in charge, or the, sorry, the caretaker manager, I thought they'd get that bounce-on effect that we've talked about already. But it was a win for Dundee, Connor. Late goals in that game. They were 2-0 up through... Rory Loy and um, Holt and then Stephen Pearson pulled one back just 10 minutes from time to give Motherwell a bit of hope but they couldn't manage anything. A crowd of just over 5,000 at Dens Park and is there is there much we can really take from that game? I mean Dundee obviously back to winning ways there, back into the top six after that result. Motherwell still down in nine points. Interesting that Motherwell could actually have leapfrogged Dundee if they'd have won that game on Saturday which would have been quite incredible to think about. It is. I mean, for all that Motherwell, kind of, we spoke up Dundee and said to him, "Bang the start." Motherwell had made, you know, it does show that maybe, mm. you know, that, that would that would have made everyone seem a bit foolish if if Motherwell on Saturday evening were sitting ahead of Dundee in the league. Well, got exactly. rid of their manager and everything, and, and Paul Hartley's the best thing since they've given Stephen Craig in the job. Mm. It just goes to show how we can get kind of different feelings in our head about how how a team's doing poorly. Even now, they're only five points behind Dundee. And that's after losing on Saturday, having a terrible start, getting rid of their manager. Dundee have had this apparently really good start and they're only five ahead. Well, exactly. I think for Dundee, what we can take from the past couple of weeks um, is that that's now two goals and well, goals in consecutive games for Rory Loy since he came back. I think he will be massive for them this year. Um, he, he's quality all over. Um, and I think having him up there with Kane Hemmings at times and, and the other strikers there that he can make a massive difference and give them a bit more firepower going forward because he likes to play up so well he's just such a fantastic all-round player um, for Dundee again that's a couple of good results on the bounds it's important to kick on now um, and, and can I maybe live up to that expectation that would all come to put on them um, but certainly for Motherwell it's no disgrace losing two one up there. I think overall, I don't. I haven't seen enough of the game itself to to comment specifically. But a two one defeat, I don't know how much how close the teams were. You'd like to think that you know they could maybe take positive out and say they probably maybe had chances to get an equaliser. Um, but again, positive for Dundee. Motherwell now it's about getting through this international break with a new manager. Come the end of it. Um, and you really need to take it from there and see how he comes in, whoever it is comes in and assesses the squad. I think it, you know you're saying about how it wasn't an embarrassing scoreline and how um, you know they're not too far behind Dundee in the league and you know that you know that's kind of positive in a way. But for me, the the problem with Motherwell when I look at that team is that their best players are all you know thirty plus. You know their ages are all you know thirty plus. Look at like so, you know Keith Lasley, you know Stephen Hamill, uh, Stephen Pearson, and even maybe Scott McDonald when he's played, you know, in his right position. They are the key players in that team, and they're not getting any younger. And I just feel that whoever comes in has got a huge rebuilding job on on their hands. 
It's a wonderful finish from Rory Loy for his first goal. Connor, a player I know you know well, and he'll be a massive, massive player for them to have back. Definitely. I think I've said it all along. I mean, his career, I think Rangers lost out on a great player there. I think um, <coughs> they could have harnessed him a, a lot better, and, and maybe, you know, I think this is what Rory Loy's managed to do, having. Had a lot of injuries and very little kind of. The, once he left Murray Park, he went away from all that kind of the, the, the pro treatment and all that they got there. I actually think Rangers could have, if we'd kept him in that environment, you might be harnessed him through. I understand they let him go because of the injuries and everything, but I think now what you're seeing is he's a really quality player. I mean, he came to us having scored hardly any goals, but what it was for him is as a manager to put faith in him, tell him you're my number nine. Um, he got a run going, he became consistent and I can't talk highly enough about his, his overall all-round play because he's not just a striker, he, he links in play, he's got skill, he's got pace um, and even around a squad I think he's a very good player to have because yeah he's fairly young, yes he's, he's not played that many games but actually, for the younger players in the squad, he's got so much experience out of football in terms of recovering from these injuries, coming back better, and even different places he's played. He's played in England, he's played in lower leagues in Scotland, he's, he's seen a lot of the game in a relatively short playing career. That um, A wise head and, and someone that I think will make a positive impact on and off the pitch at Dundee. Yeah, we we spoke a wee bit about Motherwell there. I asked the question on Saturday night, Motherwell fans, who do you want as your next manager at KT? The goalie Motherwell fan coming in saying, don't really think it'll make a difference who it is, poor, poor team. So let's move on to the Championship. You're itching to get started with Rangers Falkirk. Three of us were in attendance on Saturday at the at Ibrox, or as we say, at the Falkirk Stadium. At Ibrox, it was a from a neutral Speaking which I am, you two, obviously Callum and, and Connor are, are both biased towards your team. As a neutral going to the game, or as, as neutral as I can be as a Celtic fan, it was um, it was an enjoyable game. I thought it was a, a really good atmosphere. I thought it was two teams who, certainly in the first half, wanted to go out and try and win the game. They really had good good go at each other. There was lots of chances for both teams in the first half. I thought Falkirk looked a real, a real threat on the break. In the second half, I thought they were a bit more defensive, but they, I think they, st- they still looked dangerous in the break, had a few chances. To be honest, I wasn't really impressed with Rangers. I thought Rangers disappointed me slightly. I thought um, I thought there was a lot of balls given away at the back. I thought the defence looked suspect at times as well. I've never seen a team play as attacking as Rangers played. Never. In all my years of watching Celtic, I've never seen a team who has... Um, a right back and a left back just bombing like the full game. It's incredible to watch actually. Your two centre halves who aren't really blessed with pace, you've got Halliday sitting in front and then the rest just go. It was, it was really, I mean, you get an idea watching the telly a wee bit, but going to the game and actually seeing how a team operates, it's fascinating. It was, it was really incredible to see. Um, I want to bring you two in now because obviously the big moment, and I expect fireworks here, the big moment was the, the free kick given by referee John McKendrick. 10 minutes from time that gave Rangers and James Tavernier the chance to win the game first of all I'll start with you Ross you're, you're an official um, <laughs> throwing a bit of a no, cur- no, don't, curveball don't start there let's start, with, let's start with Sparky he's, okay. he's, he's okay. prepared all his notes he's been but... scribbling notes for about the past half hour during yeah. the pod so, so Connor um, your manager Peter Houston um, well in fact let's, let's just hear what Peter Houston has to say first minute of the game our players Severely taken out, Craig Sibbald. 
It's got to be a yellow card. There isn't any first tackles anymore. It's a straight yellow card. At least a yellow card. So the referee, in my opinion, didn't see foul play. He didn't recognise foul play when it was it should have been a yellow card in the first minute. But he recognised foul play when there was no foul committed. So for me, the referee's cost us a couple of points today. Talk about momentum. Is it all about the, the, the moment in the game? We're, we're doing fine. We're, we're, we're set up. I'm not saying we're going to win, win the game. We might steal it. But there'd be a lot of pressure to put under. But we've done well against them. Rangers officials and backroom staff were moaning, having a right pop at the referee going up the tunnel at half time about them giving them nothing. Well, they certainly gave them something in the second half. So you wonder if pressure like that has got to the referee. I don't know. But one of the things I'm annoyed about is the fact that if Luke, Luke Leakey got a booking, which is fine, and a stone wall yellow card, if it's a foul like that in the edge of the box, I will hold my hands up and say, aye, it's a foul. But when Tom Tyler wins the ball, the, the player jumps out of the man and, and the referee gives a free kick against the guy who's won the ball. That's not a foul. I went in to see him. He's reporting to the association, for my language, allegedly. Um, but also the fact that he didn't see the first tackle in the first minute has been a tackle that was merited a, at least a yellow card, which surprises me because I've seen yellow cards for a lot uh, less. And then he reckons that our player won the ball and then he went through the Rangers player. Absolute nonsense as far as I'm concerned. So that's upset me because I thought our players put a lot into it. Rangers are a good side, I, I don't deny that. But um, I, don't, I think we restricted them to very little today and, and pressure on the referee has got to the referee in my opinion. So Peter Houston coming out there and saying that he feels that the the pressure from the Rangers management and fans at half time and obviously fans during the game had an effect on the Rangers on the referee, sorry, giving a free kick to Rangers ten minutes from time. I think you go along with that, don't you? Certainly do. Um I'm going to strip the game right back. I think in a competition, uh, and you go to Ibrox, putting a fantastic performance. I think we had a, a number of decent chances, and I think that yeah, Rangers controlled the game. They were the better team, but that's what you come to expect. But overall, I feel we controlled them very well. I limited them, and my big grievance with the whole thing is that. And in my opinion, I know the counteract would be you can't 100% predict anything. But looking at the game as a whole, with the number of saves that Rodgers had to make, with the number of chances that Rangers had in comparison to Falkirk, I just don't see that they were going to go on and win that game. Um, I think, you say 10 minutes, it was 81 or 82 minutes when he scored. So you're talking like, so when you get to the 90th minute, you're going to see it out then. And for me, I just feel at that point, we were looking relatively comfortable um, looking at the chances I believe that obviously Rogers had a couple of good saves one in the first half for Jason Holt um, close range tipped over one in the second half from Dean Shields where he tipped it around the post then after that he had a couple of half decent chances with Waghorn and, and Tavernier um, but apart from that I don't think there was loads of clear-cut chances. I think all it was, they had a lot of the ball. Um, but when they got forward, I felt we limited them very well. And the opposite side, Falkirk, I think, had a couple of very decent chances as well. Blair Alston got played in by John Beard in the first half. A little bit more composure from him that we've come to expect. Um, 
Tom Tywood the shot in the second half. It was parried by uh, Fodderingham. Baird just missed it. I mean, literally that shot was a, a tiny bit more powerful. That was going in the back of the net. Uh, Volks had his effort deflected. Uh, John Baird had a strike in the in the second half, which was held, which was was relatively comfortable and fairness for for Fotheringham. But again, good positions. When you go to the incident, which I think that is obviously the main talking point, for me, A, there's no debate, it's not a free kick, because he won the ball. I think the explanation given, and, and what's been quoted in the press, is that he got the ball and then took the man, which is yes and no for me, because in, in my opinion, a lot of it um, was the two players coming together, I think, the vast majority of that was Tom Tywo winning the ball. And I have to say, if it was down another end, um, do I feel the free kick would have been given? Being totally honest, no, I don't. Um, the, 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 Sorry, the, just in-game-wise, in can I ask you what you based that on, given there was six or seven instances where Falkirk players filled Rangers players and were not booked? So to say that the referee... Well, there was four to, Falkirk well, no, players if you let me finish my point first. If... So what you're implying here is that the referee was favouring Rangers? No, no, no. Well, then why wouldn't he have given a free kick down the other side? Because then? it's to do with the atmosphere. It's to do with what the what well, he did receive so, at the end so of it. So then why? So if it was to do with the atmosphere, why was there not bookings dished out? Beforehand? There was four bookings get dished out. I don't think apart from that, there can be one that was suspect. You got about penalty claims as well, which I, I assume is something you would come on to. Apparently there was two. Well, the first one, Rodgers, when he handled the ball, it was offside. So there's no there's no debate about that I, one. No, that one was that one was fine. Then there was right the one where Will Volks took, apparently took the ball out in the box. Now, from where I was sitting in the main stand, I was right underneath, just above the tunnel. So I will admit, my view of that was not the best. What I will say is... I, Falk, can't, I can't even remember the, the event, to be totally honest. support as a whole isn't... There's a, a, a kind of... Rowdy bunch, but apart from that, it's not the best. All I'll say is, every single Falkirk fan that was in that corner where the tackle was made jumped to their feet and started making diving gestures, right? Now, I can't take anything from that, but that's all I can base it on. I'd, and looking at it from where I was at the time, I didn't feel it was a penalty, but I will admit my view was suspect. Um, back to the decision itself, I'll take this bit out of the record, daily record today. Um, Will Vox admitted he spoke to the referees, came off the pitch at the end, but was unimpressed by his explanation. He added, he said he thought Tom took the ball, but then took the man after it. I said to him, isn't that a tackle? Because it is a legitimate tackle. There's no way that's a free kick. And the biggest bugbear for me is, the boy Tavernier, I will stand here, just sit here just now and admit, it was a fantastic strike. He placed it in the bottom corner. But he should never have had the opportunity of doing so. And my biggest point after the game was, it was always, in my opinion, going to take something special for Rangers to win that game. And for me, the referee, by awarding that free kick um, throughout the situation, allowed, has basically presented that opportunity to them. Yeah, you're talking about Will Volks there. I was I was speaking um, to a journalist after the game, and he's he's bringing up the point that Will Volks apparently lost 7-0 at Ross County and wasn't half as upset as he was in Saturday. There's clearly a real feeling of grievance among that, that Falkirk team. I'll let you come in in a second, Callum. We'll get your thoughts on it. But first, I want to go to you, Ross, because you, we all know, are an official. What, what were your thoughts on, on referee John McKendrick's performance? Well, I've only seen the highlights, but I want to ask Sparky, has a Falkirk player ever made a mistake? This isn't... 
Close to have Exactly So referees are human Just the same as players are human They're going to make mistakes I'm not robots I'm sorry but I'm not sitting I'm not having this whole I'm sorry that He's made a mistake At the end of the day That mistake Has changed the game It has totally changed the game And I'm sorry but We can't turn around and go Oh but Well we all make mistakes Yes we all do make mistakes But in a situation like that um, In that scenario With a team That has drawn One each You just cannot be getting Fundamental things like that wrong What about the fact that Danny Rogers can't set up a wall There's a gap There is a gap Of a couple of inches between that wall and I don't know what Danny Rogers' positioning is, he's nowhere near that ball. And Tavernier's just got a clear. You see it from behind the goal. He's, he's sorry. So you see it from behind. Give him credit for the finish. A never, good free kick. The technique in the free kick. <laughs> good, get, but not, what he's saying is credit. the fact that the wall's not set up the wall's properly. Not set up, and the which is, a, which is something you're taught at boys' club level for a keeper to set up their wall. Now, okay, there's arguments whether it's a free kick or not. Okay. First view, and I Ross, thought. Do, that's, do you think it was a free kick? First view, and I thought it was reckless. That was my that was my first thought. That's reckless. Now, when you slow it down, you see it. Okay, he's taking the ball first, but the referee's got one view. I know you. You could tell. They could tell there was something. You could tell there was something with the amount of Falkirk players coming around. They obviously felt he had touched the ball. Okay, the referee's made a mistake, but for me, there's still that. It's not John McKendrick that's kicked the ball in the back of the net. You know, it's not John McKendrick that didn't he organise the Falkirk wall. He probably could if he would. No, nah, it wasn't me that said that. Well, anyway, what I'm saying is, there's a long. There's he's saying Sparky's saying that there's there's you know Falkirk are going to see out that game. There's nine minutes left. The goals are scored in the most part in the last ten minutes of games. And you're saying if you got a ninety minutes out of the minute, well you still get stoppage time, which is when the most goals are scored. You can't just blame that on John McKendrick and. Peter Houston used him as a scapegoat. He seemed to forget as seemed to forget as well that there was another goal in the game as well. And that yeah, I'm sorry, but the, the the clear thing about that, and I think you'll back me up with this, mm-hmm. was it was clearly said by everybody that I know it sounds the most stupid thing to say now because of course of a second goal, you have to have a second goal to get a third goal, but there was just no way. That, that was See, you're dealing was in that. hypotheticals here though. I'm at a bit of a halfway house here. I think that um there is there's no way Rangers would have scored that kind of goal. That third goal, that kind of goal. I, they, I agree they with you on that yeah. one, the way the play opened up. Yeah. yeah. The, the the argument I have with Connor is I don't think you can say Rangers weren't scoring. I don't I don't think you can say that with the way Rangers were playing. Rangers were miles on top for that whole second half. They were the better team. Falkirk had Two shots, I think, in that second half. There were decent chances, but there were counter-attacks. Rangers were on top there. I agree that it wasn't a free kick um, that, that was given, and Tavernier smacks it in really well. But I don't think you can say that Rangers wouldn't have scored. I think you can argue even that Rangers would have had a big chance, one big chance. But I also felt, and I said this, and I, I said this with about 80 minutes on the clock, uh, I turned down to the person beside me and I said... If this game continues as it is, we're controlling them. We will have one big chance in this game. Maybe that well, big chance was Tybo's shot that came back. And no, this was after that. This was right. after that. I'm saying we'll have one big chance in the final stages. But that goal effectively killed because there's no way with eight... And looking at the game as a whole, there was no way we were going to come back to that. Your team then, that being 2-1 down with nine minutes to go, that kills you're the dealing, game. Exactly. You're dealing in a literal thing about football. You're not dealing with the situation, the way the goal was scored, where it was... How often Answer me this How often have you seen A team come back From 2-1 down at Ibrox With 8 minutes to go You've hardly um, ever seen it True But then when does it ever happen In football full stop Most of the Quite time Quite often It happened at St Man and Park Three weeks ago 
So then, 2 0 down. So it's comebacks since Lazarus. Again, then, so why. So I understand, right, about how it's at Ibrox and that makes it different, and the fans, and it was the fans and our bench and that influenced the referee, and, you know, poor old. I wouldn't poor, say, poor, no, no, no. I'd like to say, I wouldn't say. So you don't, don't agree think, with your manager then? No, no, this is where I do agree. Of course he agrees with his manager. Connor, Connor, I'll come to you in a wee second. We'll, we'll bring in Mark Warburton then because that's what he had to say after the game in regards to the, the pressure possibly that he and um, David Weir and the fans were accused of putting on the officials. Peter feels that pressure from the home dugout is what led to the ref wrongly giving the free kick, which he says cost him the game. What, what was your reaction to that? I'm not I find it interesting, but as I will discuss that in a room afterwards, I'm sure. You didn't seem too pleased with the referee's performance either. I've got to be careful what I say. I'm, I'm mystified by certain things that happened. But uh, again, there's some contentious decisions both ways this afternoon. Peter was upset with the free kick. Um, yeah, you can see it both ways, I'm sure. But uh, I think we've got to look at certain aspects of the game and see if we can improve certain areas of things. You don't feel that you or your staff were over the top? No, far the from thing. it. Far from it. There's no one to talk to. There's no fourth official. Who do you talk to? He says you've got putting them under pressure going up the, the tunnel at half-time. In the same way, I'm sure those those guys put under pressure coming off the pitch at the, the final whistle. So, you who do you speak to? You know, there's no one to speak to. We weren't happy about a couple of decisions, and we've got to make our point clear in a respectful way. Now, my biggest point, well, the point I like to make here is that I don't. Th- I, this is me in no way. Um, I'm not saying there was some sort of total Rangers bias, but what I am saying is that the pressure put on by the support because of the atmosphere with 44,000 people shouting that they're not getting anything, right? And at half-time, um, for obviously Mark Warburton to say to the, the referee that you're giving us nothing, you're giving us nothing, this all, no matter what anyone says, will play on the back of this guy's mind. And if throughout the second half, when you made the point earlier on, Hamish, if throughout the second half, minute after minute, there's shouts, he might, on a normal day, at a, at a ground where there's 500 people think, I got that right, they're just shouting that. But see, when there's 40 odd thousand folks shouting at you constantly and getting to you, eventually it's going to have an effect. No, it has the opposite effect, Sparky. See, see at a ground with, say, 150 people, see at a junior match, you hear every individual shout, and that probably affects you more than just a wall of noise. That's interesting you say that, actually, because you obviously have the experience that we don't have. I mean, you've obviously not refereed in a 50,000 stadium, no. but. Your dad has, and I assume you, you've spoke to him about stuff like that, and um, it's it's a different opinion or a experience that we don't have, and um, it's it's one that maybe you automatically think that refereeing in these big arenas would be much much tougher, but sometimes maybe there's that personal aspect that is lost when there's there's almost faceless people. It's just noise. Yeah, I think that, I think that is the case, and the thing is, John McKendrick's done you know bigger games than Falkirk Rangers. It's not like it's the first time he's done a championship game. I mean, I think. He's an experienced referee. This is probably going to be his last season. I think he's 46, 45, 46 now. So this is probably going to be one of his last seasons. He's not going to be... Obviously, he might be disappointed with himself in some aspects. But at the end of the day, as I say, there's still time. You know, you can't just blame the referee. You've got to look at performances from players. You've got to look at Danny Rogers. I know I keep coming back to it, but you've got to look at Danny Rogers not being able to set up a wall. That is, watched that, that back is... there. I'm not seeing that, personally speaking. What, the I'll, big gap? Yeah, we'll, we'll move on for that anyway. Uh, Calm. I, w- I want to move on because I've let us run through a while. Sorry, I'll let you have the, the last yeah, say. I don't feel like Rangers have been getting... Like, the, obviously, the focus is on what happened to the referee and that. I think I agree with what you were saying. The distribution from the back from us was poor. Um, 
midfield wise, I felt we controlled the game for for pretty much a lot of it. Um, going forward, we were the better team. Um, Waghorn had a bit of an off day, but when you know there were certain instances where he was still full of energy. Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, I I think it was late on in the game where he turned the left back and went right down that side. Yeah. Um, and I think he managed to get a shot away, something yeah. like that. Um, so, I mean, to me, it's just it, it wasn't our best day, but. I felt like we were going on to win the game, um, despite despite the free kick. Um, and one thing I will add, and I mean, I hope this doesn't come across as as the way I'm sure folk will intend it to come across. But for me, if that was my manager coming out with comments like that after the game, not, not that's not fair. Not necessarily the comments he made, but see the style he made them and the way he was talking. I'd, I'd genuinely be embarrassed if that was my manager making those comments. Yep. Yeah. Well, we'll leave that there then, because. Um... I think I mean that was fifteen minutes there. It was personally speaking, as I said right at the start of that, uh, I really enjoyed the game. I thought, um, I thought it was a terrific game played in a, a good, uh, good front of a good crowd. Sorry, it was a good atmosphere. It was a really good game for the first half anyway, with both teams going for it. Elsewhere in the championship on Saturday, what did we have? We had Hibs with a three and one over over Queen of the South. Um, Ross, we've we've talked about Hibs a lot this season as being real um, inconsistent performers. Do we think that they can maybe start to find a bit of consistency now? I think they can, but I don't think it'll be enough to to challenge, obviously, Rangers. I think Rangers are going to walk away with the league. Um, Hibs are a, a funny one. I actually think Alan Stubbs has done a really good job there. He's picked them back up. Um, you know, after that Petrofac Cup game between Rangers and Hibs, you were kind of thinking, Jesus... Is he going to be out of a job? Well, not if he's going to be out of a job, but how's how's this season going to go for them? Um, and even there was a couple of early, early season slip-ups, and I just think that Hibs have kind of built a bit of momentum, um, and I think they'll challenge challenge Falkirk for that second place. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, as I said earlier, momentum's an important thing, and if they can keep that going for as long as possible, then there's no reason why they can't get second place. Yeah, another one of the questions I asked on Saturday post-match as I, I'll do my whip around all the teams. I asked um, Hibs fans, are you pleased with your team shown today? At Robbie Sinclair, Hibs fan, says it was a little bit boring in the second half, but he wasn't expecting the clean sheet. It has been a, a big thing of Hibs that they've, they've uh, shipped so many goals, but in the last few games, there's maybe signs that they're starting to be a bit more stubborn at the back loose. There's signs, more importantly, that they're starting to build a wee bit of momentum. They've done this last year as well, around about the same time of, this, of the season, where they, they started to get a few results together. Um, just in terms of Queen's, um, I th- it's, it's really interesting because they started, obviously they had a, a really easy run-in, they were playing the likes of Awa and the Barton, or they had an easy, really easy couple of first games. And uh, you know they, they passed that test with flying colours, and when they're going up against the better teams in the league, I think they've they've struggled a wee bit. I think it's fair to say. Um, but you know, for me again, just going back to Hibs, I think yeah, this is now them just starting to build on momentum. I think obviously, I think it's probably too late for them to be catching Rangers, but um, if they can cement second place, I think that's a huge positive for Hibs. Wraith Rovers are continued to be a surprise team of the season, friend of the show. Um, obviously Race Rovers um, under Ray McKinnon um, we're we're glad to see them doing well Um, they're second in the league 18 points from 9 games another win for them at the weekend 2-1 at home to Morton Morton themselves are looking alright in 6th place I think that's probably 
roundabout whereabouts they'll finish at the rest of the season, at the end of the season. Dumbarton beat Livingston. That was a game that we'd looked at as possibly after Livingston's win, 3-0 win against Alloa last week. We, we thought that um, possibly Livy could kick on from there, but it was um, it wasn't to be Ross. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to come to what you were saying about Morton there. I think if Morton were to finish, you know, sixth, that would be an incredible season. Um, because I it think would actually not go unnoticed. I think aye, a lot of people were kind of tipping them for relegation, yourself included, as I, I like to bring up. Um, but I think I think Morton, yeah, it's really impressive. I think Jim Duffy's done a great job there, um, brought through a couple of good young players, um, and I think they'll they'll be actually looking to push on next season. I know it might be difficult for them to get kind of second season syndrome in that yeah. league, but. Yeah, I think it's really impressive, and I'm sure they'll they'll be delighted to be getting one over the the rivals. Um, They've got the infrastructure anyway. there anyway to to move on. I mean, uh, we we were down there a couple of weeks ago, Lewis, and really impressive stadium, impressive fan base as well. I mean, that was for a league cup game. I think on the Sunday they had a a crowd of double or even triple that against Rangers, and um, they're they're definitely a club that you could see the the upper echelons of of the second tier. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's problems with their stadium in regards to its, you know, its old terrace, and I don't know how that would work in the in the top flight. But you know, Morton have got a lot of good players, guys like Alex Samwell. You know, he's a, he's a fantastic, fantastic player. The key for them is you know keeping these players um, till till the end of the se- not not to the end of the season, but till at least till um, next year and maybe going on for a couple of years. Because as a club of that size, you know, they're going to lose players like these. You know, they are a selling club and that is their issue I think going forward yep so we wish wish Morton all the best as they aim to get back to winning ways this weekend um, the final game and I expect to see a quite depressed figure in front of me now it was St Mirren 1 Alwa 1 we talked about the game really being a must must win for St Mirren they've now I mean, they've now got one win. They've still got one win this season and they've played every team in the league. That must be... I mean, I'm really not trying to stick the boot in here, but um, that must really be depressing to play Alloa at home and not to win that match. It is. I mean, the thing is, I've I've obviously not been seeing them much this season because I think I've only seen them twice, three times this season because working refereeing. So I think um, basically... Something's not right. I mean, we've said it. We're saying it week in week out. Something's not right. It's something that it's just we're we're really struggling to well to win games. Clearly, I mean, I think Ian Murray's got a real problem in his hands. Um, I can't see where if you can't beat Allah at home, if you can't beat Livingston at home, if you can't beat Dumbarton at home, who? He, well, as you see, you can't beat anyone at home. It's just it's it's just dire. Um, to be honest, I think. The only thing might be Lauren Shanklin's been doing all right for us. That's that's a slight bonus, although he's only in on loan. So what do we do when he goes? <laughs> um, that's a problem. But did I not make the point to you at the start of the season? Well, when when there was speculation around Murray going, I did say to you that he's he won't do as well as as what a lot of people would think. And I, I personally, I know he did a good job at Dumbarton, but I was never overly impressed. What as a St Mirren fan, I think the question would be. Or one that's maybe more in touch with fans as well, like yourself. How long do you think he's got? Again, I think it's it's probably down to the fan pressure more than anything else. Stuart Gilmer, I think he'll he'll give him a wee bit more time. Um, but if if he starts to lose the fans, then 
he'll be gone pretty quickly because you've seen that with Tommy Craig last season. I think we had terrible attendances, hitting about 2,000 for some games um, last well, season. Well, under three. The yeah, I, I asked the question on Saturday after the game, St Mirren fans, is it time for Ian Murray to go? And the replies were, were quite ominous yeah. for the former Dumbarton manager. It was, um, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that, I'll, I'll say Steve. Um, he said, yeah, he feels it's almost inevitable. The fans have been booing Ian Murray. They've been booing the subs he's been making and he seems clueless. At McGuinness 29, James McGuinness, uh, Murray's embarrassing the club. Dumbarton was his level. And Tam Patterson says, no, it's way past that. Mm. Oh, that... I know that's only three fans, but I think it, it tells its own story because I just think that there's no, there's nothing to be positive about at the end of the day, you know, I mean, well, you, you, just, you might win a trophy next year if you go down. Well, would we? <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? It's just, well, in all seriousness, you've seen it with Dunfermline, you know, Dunfermline, I'm not, I don't think we'll get relegated, I don't, but... I, I, I always said, always said that this season would be a rebuilding season. I didn't expect it to be a demolition and then a rebuild. Anyone else get anything to add about how bad St Mirren are? I think um, the biggest thing for me is that they won't go down automatically. I think they need to watch because when you are drawing with Aloe and Livingston, it means they'll always be there or there about you because you're not giving yourself much a head start over them. And I do think if they were to get in a playoff, it could be very, very interesting because I think the big thing that's missing there's a a backbone and it's strange because when they played Queen of the South and won two 0 um I think at that time folk we thought mm, that could be the turning point. It never happened. I did say um, at that time that was only one result, you know, I thought yeah. we, I didn't think it would And I actually think winning at Palmerston's coming slight it'll not be as big an achievement as it has been in recent years. Um, I do think they're starting bubbles burst slightly. Um, it's weird but, that's the one we really tipped them for, didn't we? We tipped them big time for that game and every other game we've been kind of like that, oh, maybe not this week. And they've, it's quite, but it's we quite did say we'd win that cause week. Because we, we were unanimous in saying that they would beat Queen of the South I think that I was week. the only one that didn't think we'd Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. So, um, aye. Anyway, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on St Martin a bit more is, in Friday's podcast. Yeah. The only thing is, as, we, as we've said so many times, who do you bring in? You know, if you were to let go of Murray, there's... There's nobody that jumps out at you mm. at all, you know. And I'd love to hear the suggestions actually, the guys, if they want to get in touch. But yeah, sure. If you if you get any suggestions, St Mirren fans, who would you like in charge if Ian Murray goes? Um, send in your thoughts. Tommy Craig, maybe back in for a Don't second stint. That, you can't mention that name. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, Daniel Lennon got a very good reception. He did. When he Apparently, he went did. back on Saturday. Um, mm. Which is to be expected, I've said all along. He should never have been sacked. It was an absolute yeah. farce. I think uh, we look at um, at Danny Lennon going. Who else am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Kenny Shields as well going at Kilmarnock. Two managers who won trophies with their clubs. And, and you think... Trophies go, and go, kept us in the league. Yeah, going back to what you were saying earlier, Connor, about clubs maybe knowing their level and trying to, to push the boat out to get that bit better and it falling flat in its face. And it certainly has, for St Mirren at the moment, sitting ninth in the, yeah. the championship. Anyway, League One, Airdrionians, nil, Strunrar, one. Um, where else have we looked? Dunfermline, only the three. Did I not get a call? Three, didn't I? Last yeah, week I said they'd won 3-0. So, 
Dunfermline 3, Albion Rovers 0, Dunfermline a point behind Air United who will come on to in a minute, Peterhead with a 2-0 draw against Forfar, we said that would be a cracker and it, it proved to be, Peterhead go down a place though despite that 2-0 draw against third place Forfar, there's now a bit of a gap opening up, Air United and Dunfermline are starting to run away a wee bit, I mean Air have got 20, Dunfermline 19, then there's now a 5 point gap down to Forfar. Apart from that though, I mean you've got 4 for 14, Airdrionians 13, Albion Rovers 13, Shinrar 12 and then Peterhead, Senhouse, Muir both with 11. So there's three points separating third and eighth. It's it's another league that's that's so close. Um, the other game finishing 2-0 in that league was Stenhouse, Muir and Brecon. Brecon have had a bit of a poor start to the season. I think they only won one of their first four matches but they've started to pick up a wee bit even though they're still in ninth. They have gone off the foot of the table. But at the foot of the table, Lewis, a team you saw on Saturday... Cowden Beef under a friend of the show Colin Nish it has not gone at all to plan we'll start with them you were at the game as I said on Saturday Cowden Beef a team at the start of the season I think I asked Colin what he thought if his team could challenge Dunfermline for the league they're now sitting in 10th after a full round of fixtures it's very very worrying I don't want to be rude to a friend of the show but uh, Cowden Beef were probably the worst team I've seen so far this year um, they were horrendous um, defensively they were a shambles. Um, don't get me wrong. I thought I thought they were terrific. You know, they scored within thirty seconds of, of the match, and I thought that was a indication of how the game was going. Uh, and, and they've got guys there, guys like Preston, Forrest, uh, Alan Trouton as well, who's terrific. Uh, they've got players there that are that are for that level very very good. And you know, again, it's a case of like Morton. You know, can they hold on to these players? But I think you know, if they were to be promoted, which uh, you know, I still think the film are. Are big favourites for that league, but if if they were to get promoted, I think um, and these players would definitely stay there. I noticed that um, Ian McCall played all the the quartet of Alan Forrest, Alan Trout, and Jordan Press, and also Craig Moore on loan from Motherwell. Did those four link up well? Because that was obviously to devastating effect. Absolutely, absolutely. Like they were just fantastic. You know, going going forward, um, all of them. You know, as you said, linking up well. Uh, you know, they got the majority of the goals as well. I think. Um, was it scored? Yeah, yeah. I said Moore and Forrest and Preston were all on the on, on the score sheet. So yeah, there was a fantastic outing for them. Um, I thought it was interesting that Robbie Crawford uh, didn't play, but when he did play, you know, he looked, he looked very good. Um, but no, again, what Air have got a lot of really good young players there, and um, you know, there will be a test with Dunfermline. I was talking to an Air game Air fan after the game, and you know, he was saying, you know, you would have bitten your hand off for twenty points at, at this stage of the season. So you know, it's just been a fantastic, a, a dream start almost for Air. Yep, terrific. Our home team, we, we like to see Air United doing well and we're always fully behind them. As I say, the burst ball home team. League 2 are both nil and an athletic 2. Good win for Annan there. Annan just seem to win every week. I don't know. I mean, they're sitting, if I can get the league table up, we can't get the moment. putting them as our tip for the weekend. Eh? Aye, the, the tips aren't working. I didn't even bother this week because I thought, I looked at all the teams done fell and I expected to win. They did. Sorry, Ayr I expected to win They did Celtic expected to win Aberdeen I expected to win They didn't Rangers expected to win They did They were all comfortable wins In the end um, And the ones I looked at Before the game And I thought they will win that Um, Elsewhere in in League 2 Berwick Rangers Were 2-1 win against East Stirling East Fife 1 Stirling 1 Elgin 1 Clyde 1 And Montrose With a terrific win for them At Hamden Against Queen's Park Connor Do you have Anything of note to add from League Two this week from your your words of wisdom? Not particularly. I feel that I mean, as a league as a whole, it's a it's a very interesting league and one that's often overlooked. 
often known as a very tight league. Um, and I just think that you could do a lot worse than go to one of these games. I mean, you, I mean Lewis, you went to League One, which obviously isn't is, is always a level up, but I don't think you, you would often see that bad a, a game. I mean, look seventh until uh, first, there's three points in it. So, yeah, I was about to say that. I mean, it's quite incredible that sixth place Clyde, if they were to get the right result and results were to go their way, could go top of the league with one win next week. Like, And it's not as if this is two games in as well. I mean, I think you guys were very quick to say to me after two games, there was only a couple of points separating. We're now nine games in, a quarter of the season in, and there's only three points separating, separating the top seven. And I don't even see signs that a team's going to run away with it. You don't I mean, no, I mean Clyde possibly, maybe Anne in the way they're playing, but you don't look at that and think... I mean, top of the league's only won five out of their nine games. You even pick it up with uh, the results in the weekend. There was no kind of emphatic wins. The most emphatic win was Annan 2-0. Apart from that, there was one goal in it or it was a draw. So there really is nothing to pick between a lot of the teams. I think, on paper, we all said Clyde, but then you look how that's kind of gone. They're down sixth, albeit that one, one result, as you say, can change that. Um but I, mean, I came on there not saying most enthusiastic about the league because it's a very good league but um, there was no really standout results there was nothing that went massive kind of a three each or a, or a thrashing for a team I think that's what you'll see across the whole of the season but it probably makes for quite entertaining matches because for a lot of them they would have been very evenly poised going into the final stages of the game which probably meant of course I don't know for a fact but I can imagine any game I've seen at that level it would have been going hammer and tongs at each other for the past, for the, the last kind of stages of the game, which makes it into an action, is cheap, and for the central belt, covering all over at Fife and up north, there is wee ground dotted about the place that aye, there's, you can there's go loads to. to go to. Go, not having a game near you isn't an excuse because if you're in the central belt, you've got a game within an hour from you, and it's well worth it. I mean, you look at there's goals everywhere. I mean, I've said that all season, but there was really some good games, lots of goals and meaningful games as well. I mean. I don't know, obviously if, if seven-tenths of the league has three points separating them, by logic you've got at least three games this week that will be six-pointers. So I mean there's loads of games to get excited about. Um, in terms of the whole of the, the SPFL this week, who are our, our winners and losers? Who are we looking at as the, the big winners and losers? I think you've got to look at St John's as a big winner. Aberdeen's um, big losers? Well, yeah. Um, Dundee United is big losers as well. Falkirk big losers? Um, I'll let Sparky answer that one. In what way? Big losers. In the way that you're now fourth in the league? Fourth, but a game in hand over race. But Hibs win that game in the hand and they go further ahead of you and you're fourth. And let, let's be totally honest, I think Hibs will be favourites for that, the, the way they're starting place. to play. Yeah, but I, th- I think we'll still be favourites for third. I don't think yeah. if you'd ask any Falkirk fan at the start of the season, would you take third after from fifth last year? I think yeah. you're quite happy with no, that. No, I'm, I'm no way really having a go. I'm just saying I, I think you've got to look at it as a bit of a disappointing week in the end. We never went tie broke with any expectation. Mm. Um, you must have been think, thinking, think you were, though. You were you, expecting something. No, I felt we had the capabilities to get something, which was quite... Uh, most hundred percent proved yeah. that that we did. We we um, went and put a very good performance. So from that aspect, I don't think it's losers as such because I think we put in a very good performance and controlled a lot of range of attack. 
the big point that summarises that for me was you spoke earlier about the left backs and right backs. I actually felt that yes, they were it was interesting to watch them going forward, but I actually felt we limited them very well. I think that was the biggest test and we coped with it well. And there's a reason why after that performance it says a lot in the papers that, you know, Falkirk probably could be the best of the rest this year. And there's no I just don't see how that comes back as big losers. But that's not that might it's, not it's be Rangers being big winners, I think. Well, possibly, yeah. Um, Cowdenbeath, also another team we have to look at, has been big losers this weekend. 5 0 away air, bottom of the third tier. Now, I want to spend the last, what, four and a half minutes talking about Scotland. We've not left enough time because uh, we, were, we were so engrossed in that game at Ibrox. But we've got we've got Scotland on Thursday night, home to Poland, a massive game for, for Gordon Strachan's men. It's uh, an absolutely massive game. You can't probably put in words how big a game it is. I heard. Uh, Pat Nevin yesterday on sports scene saying that it's it's not a must win. He's the first person to say that. I think Ross, we agree that it is a must win. It is. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how he sets up. Um, I think he'll have to play MacArthur and Brown together. Um, I also think that he'll have. A, who does he play up front? I mean, I think probably go with Stephen Naismith. Don't see why not. Griffiths, you could argue, but he's not going to play Griffiths. Can't see that. Um, he's made that pretty clear I don't think he'll play Shinny I think he'll play Robertson even though although I would maybe like to see Shinny play but um, I certainly think Robertson will most likely play so it'll be interesting to see how he sets up and hopefully we can get the result I think we're all going along to Hamden this Thursday yeah yes, what are you so. expecting Calm. <laughs> um, well Lewandowski's current form doesn't really bode well for us but, uh, 12 goals in 5 games, games or something yeah, like that wow so, wow yeah. That should be fun. But the point I made earlier, though, is I think there'll be a thing in the media that will be keep Lewandowski quiet and we'll be fine. I don't think that's the case no, at, all. at all. I mean, you, you have to look at, at you look at Milik, the striker from Ajax, brilliant against Celtic when they played. Could have had a hat trick. Um, those are the kind of players that, that Scotland are going to have to be at their very best. This Polish team, as a team, not just Lewandowski as a team, is is excellent, far better than us in my Absolutely. opinion. Absolutely, it's a it's a very very good team. I think as Connor's been saying, it's not just a case of oh we just need to turn up and beat Poland. Um, Ugh, I don't know. I mean, I was confident, I suppose, after the Germany game for some reason, even though I didn't really feel that the Germany game was any sort of significant improvement on the Georgia game. I just don't see how we'll do it. I just don't think we're creative enough. I just don't think the midfield is good enough to dictate the game. I don't think we... I think defensively we're suspect at times, especially our centre. If Hanley comes in and starts that, I, I reckon... There, I feel like he's he's suspect. Martin is Hanley's suspect. I feel like he is. Oh, I completely disagree with that. I think he's been. I thought he was excellent in the Germany game. I thought he was one of our better players I, against Germany. I, th- I think at times he looks suspect, but oh, no. I mean, I don't think defensively. I don't. The defense, sorry, is not our biggest issue. I don't think. I just don't think the midfield is going to have any kind of grasp on the game, and I think that's what it's going to take for us to try and win the game. And therefore, I just I just don't see how we're how we're going to do it. I really think we'll miss Mulgrew. I really think we'll miss Mulgrew. Mulgrew and Morrison will be big misses. Yeah, there's talk about Fletcher actually being fit as Darren Fletcher. Anya's another player that'll be missing. Morrison as well is a doubt. Is Anya definitely out? No, he's a doubt. I think a positive though is that you know Brown's form going into the going into the you know Georgia games he was very poor. But going into this game he's been fantastic. You know he seems to be back on form. So that's he's a key player for Scotland as well. So if he can get him playing at his best, and that's certainly bode well for them. 
James Forrest, I think, is another one that uh, is playing out of his skin for Celtic at the moment. I think there'll be a lot of pressure placing him if Anya does miss the game, as we expect. Connor, still feeling a wee bit negative about the game? You're not expecting much from Thursday night, are you? I want to expect so much more than I am in, in reality. Um, I think that I'd love nothing more for Scotland to go and get the win. I think realistically the best we can get out of it is a draw. Does that mean I think we shouldn't go for the win? No, I think we should. But I just think that their quality overall will come through and I think the best we can get for is a draw. I still think we should go for it. I think we should chuck over at them, basically. What's the worst that can happen? You know, personally, yeah, I think... We got humped 4-0 and Strachan's out of job by Friday morning. Yeah. I think go for it. I think we're at this stage of the... To a certain extent, I agree with you, actually. I think... I mean, I, I think go for it is a bit of a funny term. Like, not... Like, don't go, like, 4-3-3. I think you need no. to try and win the game sensibly. But I don't but mean do it any manner of means defensively at all. Don't set up defensively no, at all. No, no way. I, I genuinely don't think he will. That, that, this, is a, this is a manager who, if we're totally honest... He, he thrives, I think, Gordon Strachan, when he's under pressure. I mean, you look at his days with Celtic. I, I think he's a manager that, when when the, I mean, you might disagree when when the when the cans are on him, I think he comes good, um, and I, I expect to see that. I expect to see a rock in Hamden. Um, I expect to see Scotland at the very best. We'll leave it there anyway because we're out of time. Um, thank you very much, uh, Ross Clark, Connor Park. Callum Fisher, Lewis Kemp for joining me, Hamish Carton, in the studio. Really enjoyed the podcast today, looking back at the weekend's action. We wish all the best to Scotland on Thursday night. Hopefully, Gordon Strachan's boys can get the result we need. It's a massive game. We'll all be there. And we'll return on Friday to look back at that game and look ahead to the plane sailing in Portugal on Sunday against Gibraltar. Hopefully, hopefully win that one and we're in the playoffs for the Euros hopefully that's the way it goes on Thursday night thank you for listening and we'll speak to you soon